we've been doing wrong. We've been playing the notes on the page. Playing music is supposed to be fun. It's about heart. It's about feelings and moving people and something beautiful and being alive. And it's not about notes on a page. Welcome to episode three of the Ukulele Brain podcast. I apologize for the delay since episode two. We had some unexpected scheduling issues pop up, but I'm back. And who am I? I am Douglas Reynolds of the upcoming Reno Ukulele Festival, which you can read all about on our website, playuke.net. Today, we're going to have two ukulele brain training exercises, then chat with multi-instrumentalist and ukulele troubadour, Lil Rev. Now, about our brain training exercises. The purpose is not to teach you a song or a lick or anything like that. The exercises are designed to help your brain create a new connection or expand upon an existing connection that will add to your ukulele playing toolkit. Our first ukulele brain training exercise is designed to help newbies or anyone who'd like to improve their playing of bar chords. Barring certainly requires hand strength and flexibility, but connections in the brain are also involved and the more you cooperate with your ukulele brain, the more it will steer you toward proper technique which translates into less stress on your hands and more natural bar chord playing. So grab your uke and please get a chair that allows you to sit up straight. Today's exercise won't work very well if you are in a lazy boy. Now, in most of our ukulele brain training exercises, we will be using the dots on the side of your ukulele's neck. If your uke doesn't have side dots, there's a few things you can do temporarily. You can cut up tape into little squares, or if you have some old liquid whiteout laying around, you can get that. Whiteout is easily removable once it's dry. You can just chip it off with your thumbnail. Please place a dot at the third, fifth, and seventh frets. Now, sit up straight in the chair and position your ukulele so the fretboard is perpendicular to the floor. That is straight up and down. Please do not tilt the neck back and or peek over the top to see where your hand is. We're going to be using only the side dots for that. In other words, if you have dots or decorations on your fretboard, you should not be able to see them. Tilting your neck back toward you so you can see the dots on the fretboard extends the curve that your wrist and all of its tendons must navigate. It weakens your grip, it wears on your tendons, and it makes bar chords harder to play. Now, with your fretboard straight up and down, lay your index finger lightly across the fourth fret, so the fret in between the third and fifth dots on the side. Position your thumb roughly in the center of the back of the neck and slowly squeeze your thumb and index finger together, then slowly let them relax. Don't just let go of it. Slowly squeeze down, then slowly release it. You want to keep tension going in both directions. 
This will build up muscles in your fingers and thumb and hand. Do that a few times to get used to that action. Now relax your hand so your finger is just laying across the fourth fret again and let's do some downward strums. You should get this muted sound. Now keep strumming in that pattern and slowly do the squeezing down exercise. Pay attention to which string you begin to hear first. And if you hear four clean notes when fully pressed down, you're doing great. If you don't, you can try adding your middle finger on top of your index finger for now. This is just to build up strength and help with the brain connections. You won't actually play that way, but for now it's perfectly fine. Next, relax your hand again so your index finger is just laying across the strings and touch your pinky finger to the seventh fret of the first string, three frets above the bar across the fourth string. Once again, do not press down, just touch it. Can you handle that stretch? If you can't, try rotating your wrist a little bit to the left and right and see if you can find a position where you can reach that pinky up better. Once you've found the most comfortable position where you can reach the seventh fret with your pinky, press just that pinky down while keeping your index finger across the fourth fret. Press down slowly, just as we did with your index, and then release slowly, keeping the tension on as it comes back up. Now, we're going to do a teeter-totter action. You're going to press down slowly with your index finger, keeping your pinky relaxed, then as you let up slowly with your index finger, you're going to press down slowly with your pinky finger. You're going to toggle back and forth in a little teeter-totter action between your index and your pinky. I'd like you to do that exercise for a minute or two, two to three times a day. Once you are comfortable with that, try pressing both your index and pinky down at once. Even if you can't get four clean notes, I want you to also sing in tune with those notes you are getting. You are now playing an E major chord, which I regularly see in Facebook is not a favorite chord for newbies. With this exercise, you are not only building strength and proper positioning for the E chord, but you are learning that E major is no big deal, as even if you're only getting a couple of clean notes at this point, you can still use this position whenever you encounter an E chord in a song. A couple of muted strings in a strum won't be noticeable. In fact, sometimes some muted strings actually sound good. Don't worry about it. This is a journey, not an instantaneous result. Now, if you find that the pinky stretch is just too much for you, uh, there's a few things you can do. First of all, if you're playing today on a tenor and you have a concert, uh, you can always go to a shorter neck, which will reduce the stretch between the fourth and seventh frets. But regardless of the ukulele you're using, 
you can always just strum on the closest three strings to you, and whether you hit that first string or not won't matter if that pinky is just muting the first string. So try that. Try that exercise for a minute or two, two to three times a day. And then I want you to slide that whole position up one fret so your index is on the fifth fret and your pinky is on the eighth fret. The spacing will be a little closer together. Now I want you to sing along with what you are playing, which is an F major chord. Let's strum and sing that. F, F. Now play the regular open F chord on the first position and then go back up to the fifth fret and play this again. Notice the difference in the chord and the tones. They're both perfectly acceptable. One may be better in some instance than another, but it doesn't really matter at this point. Get accustomed to playing an F in both of these positions. Finally, slide the whole position down to the third fret so your index is on the third fret and your pinky is on the sixth fret. And strum and sing along with this E flat major chord. E flat, E flat. You get the idea. Move this shape around. Once you do this for a couple of minutes, two to three times a day, your brain will lock into all of these positions and feelings, and not too far down the road, you'll be a master at this particular major chord bar shape. You can move it anywhere you want on the neck. It's always a major chord. And for you people that are afraid to move up the neck, it actually gets easier as you move up the neck. So try that and see how you progress over the coming days. Our second ukulele brain training exercise will be much shorter than that first one, and it's going to be a little multi-sensory exercise. For this one, you'll need your ukulele to be really well-tuned because we want your ear to hear the proper notes at all time. So take a moment and touch up that tuning G, C, E, A. It doesn't really matter whether you're using a high G or a low G string. Just get it in tune. Next, play the second string open, which is an E. Play it a few times, then press down on the first fret and play that F note. Now toggle back and forth like I'm doing here. E to F, E to F, E to F. We want to sing along with those two notes, like this. E, F, E, F. Next, go to the third string and press on the fourth fret and fifth fret the same way you just did the open and first fret of the second string. And sing along the same way. E, F, E, F. 
That's the end of the first half of this exercise. The second half, I want you to go to the first string and do the same type of two note back and forth playing on the second and third frets. You are playing the notes B and C and you should sing along with those the same way we just did on the E and F. B, C, B, C, B, C. Finally, go to the second string on the seventh and eighth frets and play the same B and C notes. Once again, sing along with the B, C. B, C, B, C, B, C, B, C. Play each pair of notes a few times and alternate between the two positions. You are using multiple senses to train your ear to hear B and C and E and F played in two different positions. You are training your brain to know where those positions are. You are also learning the bottom line in space and the middle line in space just above it on the treble clef of standard music notation in the key of C. These ukulele brain training exercises will be done in little bits and pieces. We just want to lay the foundation in your ukulele brain for new connections. Once those connections are made, things will become second nature, and you'll never again need to find where a B or C or E or F is on the lower half of the fretboard. We will add on to this exercise in later episodes, but for now you have begun the journey of learning the notes on the neck of the ukulele and training your ear by creating new connections in your brain for what the notes sound like and where they are in a couple of different positions. Now let's get into our interview with Lil Rev. All right, we're uh, connected with Lil Rev out of Sheboygan, Wisconsin. Let's let's kick off with your story, how you became a multi-instrumental a troubadour, how you ended up doing mostly ukulele, and and stick in there how the name Lil Rev came about. Okay, that's a that's a multi-pronged question. Well, Lil, Re we'll start with the name Lil Rev because that came before the a little bit before the career. The name Lil Rev, uh, Rev is derivative of Revinson, which is my last name. And uh, um, one of my buddies in high school gave me that name, a great big giant football player. And uh, when him and I would hang out, he would make me look like a little guy because he is such a big bruiser. And uh, so he gave me the name Lil Rev and it, it just kind of stuck. By the time I was about 16, 17, I was really big into blues harmonica. and. Um, and all the harmonica icons had names like Little Walter, um, Sonny Boy, Williamson, things like that. And so um, I thought it was much cooler to be called Little Rev than it was to be called Mark Revinson. And, um, and I, you know, uh, the nickname just seemed to suit me. And so that's that stuck once I started performing. Uh, we started using that name and, uh, you know, it just... Uh, be, that's who I became, and uh, 
And so I wish there was a better story than that, but. <laughs> uh, so you play guitar and you play dulcimer and you play harmonica and you play ukulele, of course. Anything else in there? Uh, guitar, mandolin, ukulele, uh, five string banjo, you know, the mountain dulcimer, harmonica, um, the, the, mostly that. But, you know, I've been doing a lot of, as it relates to ukulele, I've been, my banjo influence comes out in terms of uh, claw hammer ukulele. So I end up getting a lot, you know, doing a lot of stuff like. A lot of claw hammer ukulele. And um, I also use a lot of my inspiration on the banjo, which is very similar to um, what guitar players do in terms of all the alternate tunings. So um, banjo has got a million tunings, maybe as many, if not a lot more than the guitar. And so people like mm. John Fahey, Leo Kotke, um, you know, all the progressive Preston Reed, you know, all the great finger style and percussive guitar players are using a lot of alternate tunings. Um, the Celtic Degad guys, all that stuff. The banjo is very much like that. And so um, my baritone ukulele playing has really evolved in the last couple of years. I'm using all kinds of weird tuning, sometimes just one tuning for one song um, and nothing. It's, it's, it's just, you know, been a lot of fun to, to do that on the baritone ukulele and uh, take my banjo influence stuff and put it on there in both a claw hammer and a finger style approach. And um, so that's kind of that stuff. Uh, has been playing out lately. My style has really been evolving a lot more finger style and chord melody stuff than what I first did, as well as um, the single string blues stuff that I like to do. But uh, um, as far as a ukulele career, which you asked about earlier, um, everything has kind of just happened organically. It really has. Um, my first ukulele was given to me at a little bar gig in the early 90s at a cool little Irish pub that's not not even not even there anymore. It's it's part of the past in Milwaukee history and um and that that gift led to my fascination with the uke and uh fast forward to early two thousands and uh that's when I started writing for Hal Leonard, which just happened to be in Milwaukee. And um I was the only guy really doing a lot of ukulele who could read and write music when they wanted to start putting out ukulele publications. Um, just a lot of the opportunities and doors that have opened have always been very organic. And uh, so, you know, I like to think that, you know, the uke found me and uh, and I fell in love with it. And it's really just, you know, been a real blessing and gratitude to get to know so many great people that are connected to this instrument, the community that's built, the clubs, the festivals, the people I stay with when I'm on the road. It's just, uh, you know, it's really been great. And the pandemic has been awesome because I've done so much more private teaching that I did not have time for before. So I've really been able to deepen relationships with people. I've been doing a lot of video messaging for birthdays and anniversaries and just trying to connect with people and build you know more outreach at a time when we when none of us are leaving our homes so um that's kind of been my goal is to 
just give a lot more of myself to people on an individual basis over this last year and um, do a lot more video and online stuff. It's, it's all been new to me, the a lot of the online stuff, because I was a road musician for, you know, God knows how many years. I've been doing ukulele since the early 90s, so... We we all were you know pushed into the online thing wherever we wanted to go. Um, before I get back to the proper chain of thought, uh, when I was toying with banjo decades ago, uh, I was taught in a way that seemed the same as claw hammer, but they called it frailing. Is is there any difference, or is it basically the same? Oh, it's thing basically or? the same thing. So you know. Um, I just wrote a song that explains this. Ah. So this is the sound that people are hearing right now is a bean sprout. That's Aaron Kimes company. Mm -hmm. Of course I have to tweak it a little bit. And it's a baritone ukulele that's got a banjo body. And right now I have it tuned um, C, nothing too fancy. The D, I dropped down. I dropped everything down a step, basically. And uh, and then I brought down what would normally have been the E. I brought that one down as well. So it uh, gives me kind of like a big open chord sound. So... Um, some people frail. Some people knock, some people rap, some people rock. Come on, baby, set that banjo on my knee. I love my banjo about as much as you love me. Anyways, that verse in this song called Banjo on My Knee Blues, which I just made a video of, um, just talks about my love of the banjo. Um, but I say some people frail, some people knock. In the old days, they called it frailing, knocking, rapping, uh, and then later claw hammer. And I'm sure it had other mm. names that we're not even aware of when the banjo wasn't pronounced banjo, it was pronounced banjur or bandor. Ah. Uh, had a bunch of different early mm. names. I really like uh, messing with alternate tunings, uh, guitar and, and uke and everything. Um, I didn't realize, I don't know much about banjo, so I didn't realize they did a lot of uh, alternate tunings on banjo. Um, a, a lot of fun. Is that what you, you, you said you were writing a new book? Is anything touching on that in the new book? Or Well, uh, a little bit. It's, uh, it's all been claw hammer. So, you know, teaching people basic bum ditty and uh, uh, lots of tunes and then breaking down the three movements in the in the bum ditty into individual skill sets uh, learning to brush learning to strike strangle note with the claw hammer shape learning to drone learning to uh, drop thumb double thumb all kinds of cool stuff so that's a 48 page book and um, hmm. about halfway through with it right now so uh, that's what I've been been working cool. on with that, and um, yeah, just a lot of kind of banjo research, and, and most of it's getting applied to the ukulele. But again, a lot of alternate tune stuff. Um, this past year, I've kind of gone down a rabbit hole with some things that I wasn't doing as much before, and so 
deepening the claw hammer connection, deepening my finger style stuff with a lot of the alternate tunings on the on the baritone, and then doing a lot of slide and C tuning and uh, G tuning and D tuning on the um, national resophonic uh, soprano and the uh, baritone instruments as well. So next time I get back out on the road, there'll be a lot of material that uh, and stylistic changes to my repertoire that weren't really coming through before. So, um, you know, we all got to keep, keep evolving. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I am, uh, going through evolution myself. My, uh, my, the joints of my hands are wearing out. Um, and, uh, some of them have no padding between them anymore and bone on bone and all of this stuff. So I'm, I'm experimenting with different things that don't hurt as much to yeah. play. Um, and one of them is lap steel. Uh, and uh, some of, some of the right hand techniques on, um, on uke are okay. Uh, left hands. Okay. on some stuff, but I'm looking for stylistic changes that are a little easier on me. And I got actually got back into electric guitar a little bit because it's so easy on yeah. the hands, you know, but uh, yeah, it's uh, it's uh, that and the pandemic all at once. I've been uh, pushed into a corner. You know, everyone's unique. I have a lot of students who have arthritis in their hands, and I'm constantly having them uh, adapt uh, for their fingerings and stuff like that. And um, and I know all about that stuff because I've had gout for since the I don't know '08 or '09. So I know about how the joints can take a beating. Um, the baritone, if you tune it down, you know, if you bring it down and it can comfortably go down from D to C or maybe even B, um, B flat, you know, or B, um, that, if you take that down, I mean, not everybody can still depress the chords, but if you're a finger style player, it's just like butter. It uh, sure. takes nothing to fret on the on the left hand and it and it's just there's a little a lot less tension on the right yeah. and so um that's something i really enjoy doing and it doesn't take a lot of uh, uh hand pressure you know i've, I've really tried to lighten yeah. up my touch a lot more because i get better intonation and um you know i just uh when you lighten up your attack um your playing is a lot cleaner and so i'm sure you know you know these things but uh, yeah yeah it's just you know everybody's individual so i'm just trying to figure out what to do so i can keep playing and and, and having amen. fun um so the, one of the things i was looking at your website and uh, man after my own heart, uh, you have a class, a workshop called the Muted Ukulele. I have always thought beginners are taught backwards with ukulele. Uh, Melinda plays the violin and uh, has been in some you know multi-level uh, string ensemble concerts where they have everybody from their first year students up to advanced. And the first year students play open notes. When, when they first learn the violin, they learn how to hold it and how to bow. 
and they don't even pay attention to the left hand. And I just, I see so many posts on Facebook and in groups about, you know, people, newer players asking for help with strumming patterns. And I just think if, if we'd start by muting the uke and concentrating on the right hand, and that by the time they got into a few chords, they'd be much happier. New players would be much happier with the sound that they have coming out. Anybody can be told where to put a couple hand, you know, fingers with their left hand. But, uh, you know, to me, the, the, the soul of the music comes from, from the right hand a lot. So talk a little bit about your workshop, your, your theory with that. Give us some demonstration. Let's, uh, let's let our listeners out there uh, get a little uh, education on right hand. Sure. Well, first of all, the, the right hand um, is, ba is a basis for everything that drew me into the ukulele. And um, I mean, I was always playing melodically as far back as I can remember um, on all my instruments. But um, what really drew me in was what uh, the traditions that have come along with the ukulele pretty much since the Portuguese brought it to Hawaii. And, um, and, and even further back in the lute and string tradition, probably going all the way back to the Renaissance. And, um, but I think the Spaniards and um, some of the other uh, players of both classical and uh, what we now call kind of flamenco, but Spanish influenced stuff really did a lot rhythmically. And so by the time we get to the vaudeville era, we have players like Roy Smack, Johnny Marvin, Honey Duke, Ukulele Bailey, uh, uh, Frank Crummett, you know, King Benny Nawahi, Mason Brand, all these different players um, doing very cool, you know, triple strums, fan strokes, which are also triple meter, um, roll strokes. That was the real initial, initial stuff that um, uses a lot of um, type of muted uh, techniques to draw to draw that out as well. Um, chunking, uh, which is lightening up on the strings enough to create a, a muted sound effect, uh, all to fill in the gap and to drive the rhythms along, um, all of that stuff. And then you have a whole host of uh, Caribbean, Afro-Caribbean, uh, South Sea Isle strums that are all rooted in um, a lifting off of the chord form. This, this is uh, the basis for getting the sound of, you know, if you do, if you do reggae. You have to lift off that chord in order to get that sound. If you do uh, Calypso, you have to lift off in order to get that sound. But as it relates to what you were saying in the beginning student, I think, um, you know, my theory has always been that every time I do a, a workshop, no matter what it is and no matter what I'm teaching, I always begin by asking the student to mute the strings and uh, show them the basic rhythm. So if I'm teaching a, a blues or a swing strum, I might say, cover up the strings, then we'll go. Down, 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 up, down. And then they get the groove and we'll do that for about a half a minute. You know, and so everything is taught 
by muting. And then it leads into more syncopated and more complex sort of things that can be done with it. If they can feel the rhythm by muting it, the rest is just a breeze. And, uh, and that lays a foundation, not to mention learning how to emphasize two and four for rock, uh, Motown, all kinds of other styles, how to switch it up to one and three, um, how to count an intro and come in on the right beat. One, two, three, four. And boom, you come into your song. There's a million things that happen with muting. And, um, and so that's why I teach a class, including trying to get your mutes to imitate whatever your song is talking about. So if your song is talk is a train song by Johnny Cash and you're about to do Folsom Prison and every U club in, in the world, if not America, does Folsom Prison, you know, at some point. So, you know, if you're going to do a train song, then why not let your mute imply what the song is about? So I'll teach my students to go. This improves the down up in the beginning student who's just trying to get a relaxed wrist and then coordinate it with the elbow. If you keep going, you speed it up. You then teach the student to do tremolo. Because that down up, when it oscillates fast enough, is tremolo. Um, you want to teach them a roll stroke? Good. Now you can do the Battle of New Orleans and simulate the soldiers marching down the street. So if, if a sound can imitate what, uh, what it's about rhythmically, you're then creating a lot more fun in the learning process and showing people that it's about more than just strumming down, up, down, up, down, up, down, up all the time, incessantly on everything. Yeah. It, you know, in when I've gone to uh, ukulele group clubs, you know, things like that, that's one of the things that drives me crazy is, is they pay no attention to the rhythm. Every, everything's the same. Uh, but what I tell newer students is when you go to things like that, don't, don't plug bad data into your brain by being in this din of everyone doing different things. Mute the neck, try to concentrate on the rhythm with your right hand and, and then you'll learn stuff and you won't do any damage by, by making some inaccurate connections in your brain. And that's pretty much what this podcast is about is creating the proper connections in your brain to allow you to do all the tasks needed to play. Um, so I, I love this, you know, I, I think this is the most valuable thing any of you newer listeners out there can do. And then, uh, you're, you're doing online lessons too, right? So they can, they can tap into your expertise and, uh, yeah, well, uh, you know, almost everything I was doing was on the road going from club to club. And then I had a few local gigs teaching at a library in Sheboygan that is just the absolute greatest library in the world and um really has kept me busy as a local music educator doing in-person stuff and so you know i'd be out on the road for a while then i'd be home for a while out on the road for a while um and then so 
everything changed with the pandemic. I've really enjoyed creating some different series. Um, so I do Monday nights for the library. That's Mead Public Library in Sheboygan. And that's on their Facebook live stream. If you go to Mead, M-E-A-D, mm-hmm. uh, library on Facebook, Mondays at 630 Central. Um, about three, usually about uh, the second, third, and fourth Mondays every month I'm on. And it's a different theme every week. So I do tunes, techniques. Sometimes we just really take one song and figure out how to really make it the best we can. Other times we're studying a technique. And um, uh, some of those classes are then uploaded to YouTube. Some of them are not. It depends if it's proprietary to stuff I do on the road or uh, whatnot. And uh, and then I also have a what's called a webinar series. Not a webinar, but a a webinar series and and that is my a monthly uh in-depth workshops that i you know we record and you get a copy of the link and um it's 90 minute class sometimes i'll have special guests join me to show another side of a technique um uh, my most popular series is my uke and the blues series we started with the 1920s and we went on to the 1950s Chicago style. And um, now at uh, the end of April, we'll be doing um, Uke and the Blues 1930s. So that's going to continue on through the fall with um, a look at people like Robert Johnson and different people and uh, translating it to how it, how it relates to the ukulele and teaching people how to play blues on the ukulele. And so uh, there's always some classes going on, on if you check my website. And um, it's been very popular. Uh, I didn't know how, you know, all this would work about staying home and doing it. But from concerts to classes to being invited to virtual uke festivals, it's it's all been working out really well. Um, uh, thankfully, you know, to the people who I've spent a lot of years developing connections to. And, and they just said, well, I wonder what little Rev's doing during the pandemic. And... And so, you know, some months have been busier than others, but it's all been working out uh, pretty well. I'm not, I'm not starving. I'm keeping the bills paid, and and uh, you know, just keep keeping on. I I wish I had those deductions that I could claim when I'm on the road. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's hard yeah. to make money and not and have the deductions. Paid. You end up owing more at the end of the year. But uh, same time, Mariella is growing up. I keep seeing more pictures of her leaps and bounds and yeah running ahead yeah. it's it's she's just, really turned into a fine songwriter i mean i know you're oh, in the wow. singer songwriters doug and you know um yeah uh i had one goal as a kid you know as a teenager and my mom you know used to ask me what do you want to do with your music you know my parents never thought i'd make a career out of it you know um that's not what you uh encourage your kids to do (laughs) and so i always said i want to write one song that everybody knows and i don't even have to be the one to record it you know kenny rogers didn't write the gambler some some unknown feller did and you know and uh so i always said that was my goal with songwriting and before i die i want to write one song that everybody knows but i i think my daughter's may be the one to to do that because she's been writing dynamite song for a 12 year old and uh um we'll be doing a little concert at the end of may together uh at some point here we've done a few and she's uh 
you know, she'll practice. She'll I taught taught her. You got to write out a set list. You got to decide what you're going to play, and you got to practice it every day. And she did that for a couple shows now, where she'd practice for a month, month and a half, and she just knocked it out of the park. And I'm very proud of her as a 12 year old. And uh, you know, she's turned into a fine artist. So that that is great. Um, you you mentioned in the blues thing, uh, Robert Johnson. Can you give us a few bars of something Robert Johnson ish? Sure. On, on yeah. the week here. Well, we were talking about rhythm. So um, one of the things that I do that ukulele players rarely think of. This is more in the realm of techniques than repertoire. Is uh, Now, the typical ukulele player, if you taught them, if they that was an A7 chord, the typical U player is going to play that in open position, right? You know, and and so one, there's a move that G7 up to the third fret, but the typical U player is going to want to stroke down or do a down up, so that blues then sounds like this, or it sounds, so. One of the things that I get them thinking about in addition to learning a new song is the ride of the song doesn't have to be determined by what you do from start to finish. But is there a part in the song, like the intro, where you would learn to play on the upbeat? Slurring your chords. Playing with my middle finger on the upbeat. Robert Johnson did a lot of that kind of stuff playing with his chords. Um, the electric players did the same thing. You know, T-Bone Walker and guys like that. So hmm. um, so that's 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 just one tiny little piece of the kind of sure. stuff. But I yeah. like songs like Kind-Hearted Woman and From Four Till Late and Hot Tamales and the Red Hot, you know. Um, it it never sounds like it did on the guitar you know you have to ask yourself do you want to play it finger style do you want to strum it um you know what do you want to add to it um if i'm playing with other people i might just do single string lead uh, and they can play the rhythm if i'm playing by myself i might play more finger style um i might add some harmonica and then there's just at the end of the day there's always just you know just the fun of a rollicking cool tune you know Hot miles and a red hot, yeah she got them for sale. Hot miles and a red hot, yeah she got them for sale. Billy Goat bumped into Bumblebee's nest, ever since then he ain't had no rest. Hot miles and a red hot, yeah she got them for sale. I mean, yeah she got them for sale. <laughs> That is great. Going back a few minutes in the conversation, you mentioned that a Johnny Cash trains drum and that sort of thing, uh, as well as singer-songwriters. Uh, you familiar with uh, Gordon Lightfoot's Canadian Railroad Trilogy yeah. song? Yeah, I'm a big Gordon Lightfoot fan. Oh, yeah. He's a tremendous right hand. I mean, some of the stuff he does with his right hand is just underappreciated. But that song, he gets past the middle part of the trilogy and he starts again. And I, I think that's where it is. 
and he starts this slow, like the train gearing up and over the over the plane. And he gets faster and faster and faster. And it's like, people got to listen to this. I don't care what instrument you're playing. Listen to that right hand and what he's doing with the song. You know, it's some tremendous stuff in there. Yeah, no, he's Uh, he's dynamite. I my favorite my favorite stuff of his is actually the reinterpretation of his music by bluegrass legend the late tony rice oh yeah did a record of all gordon lightfoot songs flat picking and cross picking and it's just out of this world out of this world mm. and i recommend that album to everybody as an introduction um to um gordon lightfoot in the same way that i recommend tim o'brien's album red on blonde uh, and his cover of uh, Blonde, Dylan's Blonde on Blonde. And uh, it's, hmm. the songs just transcend, you know, anybody, you know, listening to Dylan, it just takes it to another level. You know? Wow. Yeah, I'll have to look those up. I like Tony Rice and I, I you know, I love Lightfoot and uh, didn't know he did that. So cool. Um, okay. Could you give that uh, Mead? what was it mead library or whatever you said that link again yeah it's um you know on facebook if they just type in mead m-e-a-d um a p-l you know slash p-l uh go to facebook and they'll find it the easiest way to find what's happening is is l-i-l-r-e-v.com lilrev.com because i list every class i'm doing including all my mead stuff i i also list on my website um the theme of what i'll be teaching um, these are free classes. I do solicit tips. The library pays me a real basic fee. And then I try to make up the difference of what I would make had I been on the road um, through people tipping. And some nights I do pretty well. And some some nights, you know, I got to, I got to, you know, just be grateful for what I got. So, you know, it's uh, either way, it all works out. And then my Zoom webinars are just, uh, they're all listed at littlerev.com. And then I got my ukulele blog, which is not a um you know uh i'm not posting every week but there's always some cool stuff popping up there and that's fountain of uke doc blogspot doc you know um http fountain of blogspot so cool cool yeah uh, and and do you do private online zoom lessons um right now i'm all filled up all my slots are filled up so okay. um so I, okay. I, I can't say that i can take uh, um, people, but um, all my classes that I've been doing in the last year on Zoom uh, through my webinar series are soon going to be posted for resale on my website. So people want to take 90-minute webinars, they can. I'm, um, you know, all my books uh, through Hal Leonard are available on Amazon, and um, I'm pushing on I don't know 10, 11 books so far. And um, what else? Uh, um toying with the idea of starting an online uke school uh, uh that may be coming down the line as well uh the i guess the pandemic taught me that you know um one-on-one which is the heart and soul of what i love to do or group lessons um will always be what i want to do but man if you take what you know and you put it uh, uh, all in one place people are really into learning from you got a smorgasbord of things to choose from and um it's like cloning 12 little revs all at once you know so not that the world wants to see 12 little revs <laughs> that could be a little too much <laughs> but uh 
anyways, uh, that's the way things are going these days, I guess. Okay, well, I uh, I want to thank you for taking the time out of your uh, apparently really busy schedule. Uh, I didn't realize you were doing this much stuff, but that's great. I'm I'm so happy for all my friends in the music world uh, that can uh, that can pull something out after we were shut down and all the theaters went dark. So. Yeah, I guess that's it. So everybody, please go to lilrev, L-I-L-R-E-V dot com. And if you don't know much about this guy, uh, take it from me after having known him for 10 years or so now, well worth your time. Uh, you will pick up stuff you didn't even know you were interested in. Um, and uh, I guess that's all I have. You got anything else? Oh, I think that, uh, that's that. That's good until till we meet nothing, again. Nothing else to promote. Yeah. Uh, when's your book, your new book going to be uh, done? Do you have any uh, idea? Well, uh, I, I'll be turning it in in about two months here. And then uh, usually mm. uh, they try to target a lot of that stuff for the um, for the the NAM show that happens in January. So that'd be the soonest it would come out, but probably sometime next year. I never know how long they're going to sit on this stuff for once I turned it into my publisher. And um, I got a baritone book that, who knows, that's done, just waiting to, for them to finish it. And I got a, another harmonica book that's done. I'm just waiting for them to put it out. So um, there, there's like a backlog of stuff that uh, will be hitting the market and, uh, um, you know, Probably about time to make a new ukulele album. Uh, I've kind of become smitten with the tenor guitar, so I'll probably come first. So there's just a world, you know, all yeah. kinds of stuff going on, you know. Uh, never a dull moment until the day we die. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> keep keep pushing, keep pushing. Yeah. All right. Well, you take care back then, back there, I mean. Um, uh, I don't know if it's cold out there right now, but... Uh... It's, oh, uh, we're mid forties today, I think. Uh, so. Not not bad at all. Yeah. So uh, good. Well, I hope we uh, we can uh, get together and uh, do some do some shows together. I'd love so, that. I appreciate yeah. all that you do, Doug. You too, Mark. We will uh, we'll be in touch. You take care. Okay, my friend. Uh, be well. Okay. All righty. You too. Bye bye. Okay. Bye bye. Once again, thank you so much to Victoria Vox and Daniel Ho for granting permission to use their music in the Ukulele Brain podcast. We'll see you next episode. Bye now. <laughs>